This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Oh, Raider Nation. Welcome to Silver and Black today, the post-game edition. The Raiders, in unbelievable fashion, lose, end their three-game winning streak in a last-second 17-16 loss in Los Angeles to the Rams and Baker Mayfield, two days off the plane, leads them on a winning drive where the Raiders help out the Rams with penalties galore, and it's just a tough night in Raider Nation. We're here to talk about the game. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, please do. I know you probably won't want to talk about Raider football tomorrow, uh, but we will for the rest of the season. And you guys are ride or die, so I expect you to. We certainly appreciate you being with us. And always on this postgame show, uh, I have my voice of the fan, our voice of the fan here. That, of course, is Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. <laughs> He's putting a bag on his head. Mo, along with our my co-host, Mo Moten. He's the national NFL writer at <laughs> Report, as well as the Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. All right, gentlemen, um, there's so many things to talk about. The one thing I want to say up front, and Murph, I want to get your comment, as we always do at the top of this show with Voice of the Fan, is this. Not one person was responsible for this loss. There's lots of blame to go around, including the head coach, the play caller. I mean, there's so many things we're going to talk about tonight, but I want to get your reaction, Murph, to this game, how it unfolded, and how it felt a lot like the first seven, eight games of the year uh, after the last three weeks where things were really looking up. Fell apart as soon as Josh Jacobs got hurt. I mean, it wasn't going well, um, you know, towards the, the, the latter half of the game, but it seems like that there was some momentum that got stolen and got robbed uh, when it was like, you know, the, the, clearly the guy had been carrying us all year long, literally and, and figuratively. And so there was something about that. The moment, like we've, we've been praising the Raiders for their, their body language, their, the, you know, the, the enthusiasm, the things that have, that they've been rallying around in this, in, during this three game win streak. And as soon as Josh Jacobs got dinged up, 
Then all of a sudden, like, they completely evaporated. The, the emotion went out of the place. I mean, this was a home game for the Raiders. You know, we have friends that were there at the game, as I'm sure many of you did. And, you know, it was a, it was a freaking blackout. It was a Raider home game. And to, to not take that momentum and that energy and to not focus that. And, I mean, unless I podcast for a living just like you guys do too. Well, I'm podcast for a living, but I podcast a lot. And I, I'm speechless. I, I don't – I mean – I sat on my couch just in dumbfounded freaking silence for 10 minutes before I could utter out anything because it was so shocking the way that the Raiders completely collapsed on, on themselves. And like you said, Scott, the multitude of ways, uh, coaching wise, defensively, we fell apart. What the hell happened to our, I mean, offensively, we fell apart. I just, I, I um, Mo, say something cool because I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and Mo, yeah, I, I want to talk about this because we we had I had an interesting night on Twitter. Um, I started I started praising Derek Carr. The throws to Devonte Adams were amazing. He started off hot. Devonte Adams started off good, and then everything seemed to just shut down. The play calling definitely suspect. Uh, and then you had the slew of penalties. You had the inability to score in the red zone again, or to 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 convert on seven points versus three. And at the end of the second half, Derek Carr throws the pick on the floater. Yes, he got hit, ladies and gentlemen, but he could have very easily just gone down and taken the three points. And the Raiders, if it ends up like it did, they may win that game, most likely win the game. Um, when you look at this performance, I mean, so many things, Mo, but what is top of mind for you as you look back at this uh, as it's fresh? Murph makes a good point. And it's a point that I've been making for the past few weeks. What's going to happen when Josh Jacobs is not 100%, can't go, has to take a few plays off? Do they mm-hmm. have a second ball carrier to carry that weight and that momentum on the ground? Uh, because as even though the Raiders had, had didn't have a great offensive night, they had been running the ball fairly well with Josh Jacobs. Now, let's say if they had a, he had a, a running mate there, maybe they've been able to sustain some of that momentum. Maybe they run the ball in the red zone instead of instead of trying to throw the football. And, of course, you you bring up the point that Carr could have just taken the sack. I know it's not easy in a split-second decision, but as a quarterback, you can feel pressure in the pocket. And if Carr felt that pressure, he didn't have to force that ball in there. And as you said, if he takes the sack versus throwing the interception, takes three points, we're probably having a different conversation right now. But as you said, it's not all on Carr. I know people want to take my tweet out of context and say, I'm blaming Carr because I said Baker Mayfield had a better game. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is for a quarterback who just met his teammates two days ago. <laughs> it's remarkable. He he had a better I game. I heard that. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. he had a, a couple days ago while well, they yeah. completely uh, omitted that from the broadcast. Right. He, he yeah. they, just, they just got him in, claimed him. We didn't know if he was going to play or not. Yeah. John Walford comes in, hands the ball three times. It's Baker Mayfield time. He has some chunk plays coming off the sideline. And then throws and then takes his team down the field with the help of, of some penalties, but he makes a, a big big play to Van Jefferson to yeah. close out the deal. So you got to give Baker Mayfield credit for that. Raiders defense, penalties, play calling, Derek Carr, all not good, bad. And this is what you get five and eight in the terrible nut punching loss. Yes, uh, definitely one in the nads. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 22 of 35, 230 yards, a touchdown, a passer rating of 91.4. Derek Carr, 11 of 20, 137 yards, two interceptions, and a rating of 36.9. I don't know that I've, he's had one worse than that, maybe once in the year. Um, and again, not all his fault. I mean, Murph, you look at uh, down the stretch, especially in the third and fourth quarter, 
the 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 Raiders continued to give the Rams opportunities. So yes, it was self-inflicted wounds. The punt uh, and and the offsides penalty on the punt. Then even Max Crosby again, who had a great game, and everybody knows that Max Crosby to me, defensive player of the year right now, still in the NFL, gets offside there on the key drive towards the end of the game. Um, this team just seemed on the short week. Not to be focused, the coaching as well, but on defense, look, as bad as the defense got beat at the end there, remember, until that point, they had given up 10 points, but it just seems the discipline and the focus weren't there on this entire team. Yeah, and and also, too, like, let's not forget, like, the Max Crosby, I mean, can that guy get mugged one more time by the right tackle? Like, I mean, how many times, and I know we're Raider fan, and we're supposed Chokes. to be used to it, and let, I get it, like, let's not act brand new, like, we don't get calls, and we get calls against us, but... My gosh, I mean, these are like egregious freaking holding calls, like coming around the guy's neck and coming around his, his, his chest. Like, I can't, it, it blows my mind that we don't get um, those kinds of calls. But to the, to, the, to the greater, you know, commentary around the second half, you know, yeah, they came out and they, they fell flat, Scott. But early yeah. on in the game, that's what, like, yes, it was a short week, but early on in the game, we were dominating. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. the very first drive. We, we've been talking about how many weeks now we've been, we've been complimenting Derek and Devontae on their timing, yep. Yep. on, on the, the amazing last-second adjustment. That It's not even within us. It's shorter than a second. That Devontae adjusts to the ball, catches it one-handed while he's being held. Like We see these amazing plays. We march right down. We score a touchdown on the, on the first offensive play. Like Things are freaking firing on all cylinders to start this football game off. And then what happens, what, a quarter and a half in or at a minimum in the second half? We just completely, like, turned into a different football team. Yeah. We turned into the freaking the Raiders of week two and three. Like, it blows my mind how I, I thought we were past that. I, that was the thing about and, – and I say all the time when the Raiders are on a, on a path of, of decline – Thanks for relieving me of the burden of expectation. <laughs> like a sucker, I freaking bought in again because we had three in a row and yeah. I was thinking, okay, here's this great pathway for us to make it a season that sure enough, we go all the way back to doing what we were doing earlier in the year. And it's like, I thought we were past it. I thought we were better than that Raiders, but again, one Josh Jacobs injury and then the whole thing falls apart. Like, so I don't know like that. If that's the, what the, this house of cards is, then we need to move on to something else. Cause this isn't going to work. Well, and and guys, I mean, I think, and, and Mo, you can comment on this too. The, the big the big success that the Raiders have had over the, the previous three weeks on the little mini win streak was they were playing complimentary football. You had good, better defense. You had better offense. I mean, great offense with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the numbers they were putting up. And then you get out there uh, tonight on a national stage again, and there's no complimentary football. Again, you don't just blame the offense for the loss, but the offense couldn't get anything going. They just could not get it going, to your point about Josh Jacobs. Then, one thing, too, and I, I'm not making excuses, because you guys know I don't make excuses, but you lose two offensive linemen as well. You lose Alex Bars first. I know it seems crazy that Alex Bars doesn't seem like he's some big loss, but I will tell you that line had been playing cohesive again for the last three weeks, played really, really well, including Bars, and suddenly he's out, and it seemed like after Alex Bars got hurt... Now, they didn't pressure Derek Carlott. Again, not a sack tonight. Again, not a sack. So so they played well, but it just seemed as though everything got mixed up again, and this team could not play that complimentary football. I don't understand what is the issue with Josh McDaniels' play calling when he gets a big lead. 
Yeah. It's kind of like he just takes his foot off the pedal and he and he throws and he calls a maybe he calls a run play when he should pass, calls a pass play when he should run. He just gets all discombobulated when the Raiders have a two, three possession lead. And I don't know what it is, but this is now they blew a 13 point lead tonight. So this is the third. This is the fourth 13 plus point lead they've blown. Of course, they had a 17 to 17 and a 20 early in the season. So I don't know what is it with Josh McDaniels and how he sees the game once the Raiders have a big advantage. But it's mm-hmm. not good. And it's, it's something he's going to have to address and look in the mirror at himself at. Yeah, he will have to. And and I I was just blown away by again, it just you go back to when they were really struggling where uh you have a, a third and two and you're going for a 40-yard pass or uh you have a third and six and you're throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Like mm-hmm. that's what we saw again tonight and I don't know why to your point Mo, they build a lead but even before that, they st- they kind of were doing that. And I, I, I just don't get what they're doing. And yes, they're still missing Waller and they're still missing Renfro. And we have some people in the chat up on YouTube uh, saying, well, is it his fault they should have gotten Waller out there? Not on a short week. That was never going to happen. It's not a no. good idea. And they mm-hmm. didn't. Listen, if they execute like they had executed the previous three weeks, Murph, this team, I mean, it should have been maybe 28 to three at halftime. And we're talking about a different type of game, at least. Uh, and I know the jokes about blowing leads will come up, but still, this just feels like a different game. But offensively, they just never got in sync outside that first drive. Except, yeah, for, that, except for Josh Jacobs, of course. And I, and I think that's the part that's the biggest letdown. You know, we spent the last couple of days here at Raiders Fan Radio talking about the significance of not only Josh Jacobs, but Devontae Adams and their collective, you know, um, contribution to the Raiders offense. And Josh Jacobs is in some categories putting himself in the up to this game, has put himself in the conversation with Jim Brown, Walter Payton, OJ Simpson, the collective of those two guys, of, of Devontae and Josh, putting themselves in the conversation with Edron James and Marvin Harrison, in terms of like, and and, and many, many others that I, I'll, I'll save you all the, the breakdown on, but they're putting themselves in conversation with not only all-time Raider greats, like Josh Jacobs is the greatest running back through 12 games of any Raider we've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. and, and so and then the him by himself in Raider history or Raider in NFL history and then Devontae and him in Raider and NFL history. So what they were doing statistically and but what they've done, especially in these last three games, has been literally unprecedented in the silver and black. So then today to then go into this game and then just completely fall apart. Like that's the stuff that I think that hurts most Scott. Like what you're saying is that like we we were on like the ultimate freaking like ramp up here and yeah. then you've just fallen off a freaking cliff. And it, and it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just, and I, and again, that's another thing that's, that's tough. And it circles back to what we were talking about in the very beginning, but it's not just McDaniels. It's not just the offense. It's not just the defense. It's just like this collection of things that just ultimately showed up in the most raidery way possible. (laughs) Yeah. um, We're going to hit our first break for those of you listening on audio. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come right back for those on video. Stick tight. We'll be back. You're listening to silver and black today and Odyssey original podcast Raiders 17 to 16 losers in Los Angeles to the Rams on a last-second touchdown. Baker Mayfield is the star of the night. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, Raiders 17-16 losers to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Again, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Just search Silver and Black today wherever you get it, and you'll be able to do that. We appreciate you doing that. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscription and the notifications bell. And thanks to all the people in the chat and getting out all that aggression and fun uh, and... uh, (laughs) And everything you have to say, we appreciate you being there. I am, of course, joined as I am always on the post game show with uh, Murph from Raiders Fan Radio and my broadcast partner, Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report and also the Raiders columnist up at sportsnot.com. Guys, I'm going to start here with the offense. We'll get into the penalties and the defense in a second, but you look at the Raiders. The Raiders had two, you ready? They had two first downs in the second half. Two first downs in the second half. And here you you go back to the and, and this is where Mo and I know we're arguing with some folks, Murph, on Twitter about the car interception at the end of the first half. After the car interception, um and and, and going into the second half, the Raiders, two third quarter possessions, both were punts. Okay. One possession netted negative 10 yards. The other possession netted zero yards. Then in the fourth quarter, they had a field goal, a punt, and the interception, of course, to end the game. Um, It's hard when even your defense at that point had given up three and then 10 points or six points, I should say. And, and you can't get the ball downfield. You have Devontae Adams. It didn't seem there were a couple miscues to him, Moe and Murph. Uh, but again, it seemed like it got lost again. And, it, and the play calling and Derek Carr not being in sync, it all seemed to combine for just a complete shutdown and dysfunction on offense again. Yeah, and I think I gotta go, I gotta pin that. On, obviously, we gotta pin on Josh McDaniels because he's the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Because we don't know what Mick Lombardi does, but like, uh, uh, the idea that like Josh Jacobs goes down and then like you lose all your ability to be creative on play calling. We saw mm-hmm. in the first half, we saw that Amir Abdullah screenplay come back to life. That thing that we saw in the preseason, we've seen sporadically throughout the season, but not much. But how many times? Like, if that wasn't the most Patriots offensive play ever, like that's that's what they do. And and we did it to success. Well, where did he go? Like, and yeah. if Josh Jacobs is is that injured and that much of a liability, then why is he in the game? Like, why why keep forcing that to him? And why keep and I and I get that he's a warrior and he's the guy and 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 th- that's no disrespect to Josh Jacobs and his his want to be on the field. But as yeah. a coaching staff, like, don't you got to at that point, if you're this mad genius that we all suspect that he is and he has shown that he is, then wouldn't you find a way to adjust within that? And again, I don't know all the X's and O's and the details of their play calling, but I will say this clearly it was ineffective. 
because we were, I mean, like it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a fan in their freaking bonus room to figure that out, man. I mean, it was a freaking disaster in the second half. It was Mo. What did you see on off? I mean, the play calling uh, clearly fans, not, not, not happy with that, but there was also a lack of execution from the players. Again, total team loss, not blame on one person or one unit. But what did you see outside of the play calling? You talked about the Josh Jacobs, the dependency there. They got Zamir White in there. They ran him a few times. But but with a running back, as you know, as you cover the whole league, it's important for a running back to get enough carries where you kind of get into a rhythm of the game and you start to feel it, so to speak. Um they never had that chance. Once Josh Jacobs was hurt and he hurt the finger, uh, it never seemed like they fully committed. They rather have Jacobs out there, whether he was as effective as uh, as before or not. Uh, what did you see overall with that offense? I just didn't see any rhythm. Not mm. not just not any urgency, but I just didn't see any rhythm from Carr to his connection with Adams to Josh Jacobs to the run game to the offensive line losing two two uh, starters. Their Raiders offense just lost complete momentum coming out of halftime. And as you said, two punts in the third quarter didn't and kicks kicked the field goal late. But I mean, it's it's just mind-boggling because like Murph, I'm sitting, I'm sitting and I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, okay, the Rams have one chance to basically win this football game. The Raiders are now kind of on the ropes, but they still have a lead. The Rams have to go all the way downfield, like 98 yards. I know it happens to the Raiders so often where they fall apart and crumble, but the defense has to come up with a stop here because Baker Mayfield is two days off of a plane, doesn't know his teammates. They get off the field and we think, and we get on with Murph and we say, okay, it was an ugly win, but it was a win. And then I'm thinking in my head, these are the Raiders. And I had a tweet to Vic Taper earlier today. Vic Taper said, this should be a gimme game for the Raiders. That's what he said. And I laughed to myself because I was like, Vic, and, and all respect to Vic at the Athletic. Great guy, great reporter. I've been following for years. I, I rock with Vic. But when I saw that tweet, I laughed and I immediately said, Vic, you've been covering this team for how long? You know the games that seem quote-unquote easy or these gimme games, they never turn into gimme games for the Raiders. But <laughs> The Raiders will find creative ways to make things difficult or overly dramatic when they don't have to be. Now, I get these professionals, but the Raiders, for them to collapse the way they did tonight, just puts it up there with the all-time hurtful losses for Raider fans out there. And it's just what I saw out there was we talk about by language a lot. I just didn't see a team that had the energy of a team that came into this with three straight victories. I saw a team that kind of looked defeated and yeah. it was weird to see because the Raiders came into this game favored. They have Devonta Adams, Josh Jacobs. I know he's in and out the game, but he's still, he's still available. And to look defeated against a Rams team who's down trying with all of these injuries, no Matthew Stafford, no Cooper cup, no Aaron Donald, to collapse like that, it's just, to me, it's inexcusable. Yeah, and uh, by the way, for the folks in the YouTube chat, um, I- I'm glad you're getting it all out. Let's be let's be re- respectful there a little bit. So I've had to hide some people because they're spamming the page. But anyway, um, absolutely. I mean, I didn't see any urgency, Murph. It, it seemed as though it really felt like six weeks ago. I mean, it really did in every facet of the game. Yes, the defense played better at the beginning. Of course, uh, you saw you saw Chandler Jones with the big fumble, right, to knock the ball out. Cam Akers was a great, great play. And you're like, okay, this is the defense we've seen over the last three weeks. And then the backside of the defense didn't good. But they also did not get as much pressure in there, especially with Baker Mayfield in there, uh, to to really give that defensive backfield, which is deficient of talent. It just is. Um, they didn't really give him a chance back there. 
Now, the most urgency we saw all night was the Amazon Prime folks rushing to play NWA <laughs> after the first freaking Rams touchdown, which is an ultimate slap in the face to Raider fan, if you ask me. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting, like, and as, as I'm listening to you, you know, you all break down some of these things, um, and I'm looking at my notes here. It's such a division. Like, the first half of my notes are so positive. There's yeah. so many things good that happened defensively and offensively, but even defensively, you know, Cleveland Farrell having have, have, uh, showing up early. You know, you mentioned Chandler Jones with that peanut punch. Again, that's a, a second week in a row that we've seen that. We saw Bilal Nichols with, the, with pressure in a sack. That almost created a turnover. Like, where does all that go? Like, and, and you know, again, I, I divert to the, to the football minds. Like, what is it about? Is, is that Patrick Graham? Is that an mm. overall collective? Is that a, a like, is that a, a sideline culture thing? Like, what is the deal? Like, why is it that we have this intensity and this focus to create plays early on in the game? And then it just completely goes away in the second half. Mo? I really can't answer that on Mur Murph, but it, there's an issue with momentum. And it seems like when it crumbles for the Raiders, it crumbles all the way, all the way through. There is no like, Okay, we have a down stretch and then we can bounce back. A lot of people, a lot of players and coaches like to use the word resilient after wins, especially when they're down and they come back or they have to go through some adversity during the game. And through the years, we've said, and I'm sure all of us said the Raiders have resiliency. They, they're a very resilient team. But to me, with under Josh McDaniels right now, and I know it's early in his tenure, when things are down, things are really down for them. <laughs> and, I, and I know they, I, and I know they've hung in games. And I know you're going to bring up the stat about one possession games, and they've stuck into all these games. But I say this again: a lot of those one possession games the Raiders have been in shouldn't have been one possession games. Yeah, they're games that games, they're games that the Raiders should have put away, and and that was the case tonight. They should have put it away early in the first half, and they did. Yeah, and and again, um, uh, plenty plenty of blame to go around, but but I see a lot in the chat, and I have to agree. There's several people saying this is. When, when the Raiders seem to struggle, knowing where that defense is at, it always seems to be uh, when the offense just can't get it going. I mean, you're talking about two first downs in the second. How many NFL games can you win with two first downs in the second half? So Josh McDaniels, I don't know what his play calling, why he doesn't go. He, Kelly Kreiner, our good buddies in the chat, saying that it's because McDaniels doesn't trust his quarterback. I don't know. There could be something to that to a certain degree, but at the same time, even when they are throwing the ball, it doesn't seem as though the play, the execution is there. And I just don't understand, Murph, um, how the team can come out with no energy when you know you kind of have to win out to make it the playoffs. So, so if you go down in a hard-fought battle and you know you it's 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 you lose seventeen to sixteen, but it's back and forth and and it and it's and it's it's executed well. Okay, fine, that's the way it goes sometimes. But to come out and I just saw a lack of energy across the board. Yeah, what? So this is I think we just set an NFL record, not a good one. Are we now the first <laughs> team that's blown four 13 plus point leads in a season? Maybe. I, I, th I think so. So I mean, so yeah, so I mean. <laughs> Uh, and then, then to go to answer, to answer the question about uh, you know him not trusting Derek or Josh McDaniels not trusting Derek, I don't know. I mean, we, we saw Derek execute some killer plays in, in the in the first half. Um, that, that that dime that he that he uh, that he that he threw uh, to Devonte just past Jalen Ramsey was amazing. That was an incredible pass that we saw. That little like that little flip that we saw him do to Mac Hollins, like that super like casual little toss thing that he did, like that was an incredible play. We saw some some really, 
I mean, you got to trust your quarterback a whole heck of a lot to fake it to one guy and like do basically do like a no look toss to, to the other guy running around. So, I mean, so I wouldn't say that he doesn't trust his quarterback. I don't, I don't buy into that, but I'm certainly not going to be a Derek Carr apologist in this one, because again, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of plays that Derek would want back, but then, then again, we just, all it does is just funnel into the broader conversation of that. There are so many things that went wrong. You can't necessarily pin it down to one singular thing. So I think, True. That, sure. We could, could we address and say, Derek could have been better in the second half? Yes. Could the running yeah. game been better? Could the offensive line been better? Blah, 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 blah. Like there could be a million things that would have, could have went better in the second half. And, and yeah, that was just that. <laughs> I, Sorry, guys, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a disaster tonight. I mean, all of my that's feelings. okay. We, that's yeah, that, why you're here, Murph. That's why you're but, here. We want the fans to speak. But I just want to bring up one thing: Devonta Adams, seven targets tonight. Seven. Do you think that? Do you think that's enough? I, I get it. The Raiders didn't have the ball a lot in the second half. I understand that, but seven right. targets, I guess. To I, I looked at the stats before I got on here. The the Rams. I know Jalen Ramsey's out there, but the Rams had a bottom half pass defense coming into this. Their run defense yeah. was a lot better than their pass defense. Seven targets for Devontae Adams. Right. Is Seven. that is that something that is that now is that mean that he was you know is is he is he written into the play calling there or and Derek is missing him or is that something that like or is that on Josh McDaniels trying to get too cute and trying to because we know that like we've seen him not feature Devontae in a whole quarter before just in order to get uh, Josh Jacobs going yeah. and then all of a sudden Devontae Adams lights it up is that something guys Scott and Mo that is that what was going on here like why else would you go away from the best receiver in all of football the guy that is absolutely killing it in the last three games. Right, Murph, I have a response to that. If you can drop all these wide receiver reverses for Matt Collins to get him the football, you can drop some plays to get Devontae Adams, your best offensive playmaker on the perimeter of the football. If you could do it for Mac on, on a run, you could do it for Devontae on the, in the passing game. So I don't want to give any excuses to Josh McDaniels for, for not getting his best player involved at that point, his best receiver involved at that point, Derek Carr for not getting the ball to him. But something is amiss there for Devontae Adams to come out of a game where you see the momentum shifting toward the Rams, and Devontae Adams finishes with seven targets. To me, is that's a questionable yeah, statistic right there. Yeah, and I think that is co- absolutely coaching. I mean, I mean, Mo, to bring up the numbers, and I'm looking at them right here. Uh, like you said, seven targets, three receptions, three receptions. Right. Not only that, but you look at the rest. So Derek Carr only threw 20 passes. Now, we know they didn't have many possessions. That's part of the problem because they couldn't get first downs in the second half. But you're talking about seven targets, three receptions. Mac Hollins had four targets, two receptions. Then past that, two receptions for Abdullah, two receptions for Josh Jacobs, one for Keelan Cole, and one for Johnson. Um, Foster Moreau had one target, no catches. They didn't involve the tight end in the game plan at all. I didn't see any of the play. We see it every game the tight end involved at least three, four, without Darren Waller, of course, three, four, five, six targets to Foster Moreau. They had one today. He was invisible in this game. I don't know why, especially to your point about the the Rams' pass defense outside of Jalen Ramsey, and even he got burned by Devontae Adams early, uh, mm-hmm. is not very good to take the tight end and send them over the middle on on those third and five or third and six or third and twos. I, again, it goes back to coaching. To me, Derek Carr, I don't care if you're running the hell out of the ball like we've seen the last three weeks. You have to throw more than 20 passes. But again, you have to get first downs, too. Take it, Mo. <laughs> Mo's like, I, yeah. I'm just, He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just it, it, it just amazes me that. You know, I, I I bet you if you look on the Twitterverse right now, this is what Twitter does. They're just looking for one person to blame. So there's going to be a portion of fans Absolutely. that are going to say, 
it's Josh McDaniel's fault. They're going to be a portion of fans that say it's, it's Derek Carr's fault. They're oh, going to be a portion him. of, you know, the, those are the two factions right now. And I, and I, and they're going to be a portion of fans say the defense, the defense gave it up in the second half and the penalties. And I get it. Amik Robertson, the pass interference and Jerry Tillery, the penalty. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't really, I, I completely not in my head that knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hand was a penalty until yeah. it popped up. I was like, Oh yeah, that's a penalty. But it, it you know, letter of the law type of thing. But sure it's, it is. It, but it's it, this. This is not. I know fans do this, and they're going to do this anyway. But to me, <laughs> this is a. This is another I one mean, of those. I resent that remark. <laughs> Except Murph. <laughs> Murph, you're in a different league. You're a different breed of fan. But it's not just one person. It's just this collective. I don't know what it is with the Raiders, but as I said, when when things go bad, they just seem to slide downhill on both sides of the ball. Even with the play calling, right. Penalties, it's just everything rolled into one. And I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but the Raiders have to figure it out this year. And they and they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, but barring a you know some slides from other teams in the miracle. But they have to understand that when the momentum slides, they need some energy in the sign somebody to pick those guys up and say, Look, we're still gonna win this freaking game. Right. I don't think they have that right now. No, and 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 I, I think, well, I know some people will take this the wrong way, but you have a nine. You have a t- almost a ten-year quarterback there too. I think he should be one. You have guys Max Crosby on defense. You have guys there who should do that. Who should come out and say, "All right, let's pick this up. Let's get this going." By the way, Skips nineteen oh four in the YouTube chat says, "Amazing, you all continue to only blame the defense." I don't think you were here for the first segment, Skip, when we talked about the lack of complimentary football, my friend. Uh, and the fact that they only got two first downs in the second half. So uh, I know some people drop in and drop out of the broadcast. But um, no, that that's not the case. It, it, there's plenty of blame to go all the way around. Uh, but yeah, the, the lack of intensity. Again, you know, we, we, we thought that this team had gotten over the hump with the coaching staff and that they kind of had figured that out and they put it together. Even on the broadcast, Murph, they talked at the beginning about the Derek Carr meltdown at the press conference after the Colts loss. And how that seemed to bring everybody together. And then today, it's like it never happened. Yeah, that was a huge focus of their broadcast. Is they, yeah. they really locked into that idea yep. that, that Derek had this emotional press conference. And and we've all talked about it, on, uh, you know, individually and, and on our collective shows about how, like, that's when things changed. Like, that's seemingly for whatever happened inside the locker room, whatever happened inside the organization, like, that changed the momentum of this team for this season when Derek had the, and you know, and, and we had Jonathan Abram get let go and we, we had a handful of things happen and mm-hmm. we saw improvement on the team. I'm going to pin the all on John Abram, but Merrick's performance and his play improved when he it was, when he was lined up next to Deron Harmon and not Jonathan Abram. So like we saw things happen and there were a few things that were definitive where it was like, okay, this changed the trajectory of this season. And that's why I think we were so all bought in because you're right. We've, we've talked, I mean, I feel like for the majority of the shows I've done with you guys, we've talked about the negative body language, the kind of, the you know, the droopy, like, woe is me, it's all on me, like, you know, ah, shucks, we'll get them next time, kind of nature of the Raiders this year. But then seemingly it changed after that moment, after Derek had that emotional moment at the podium, they highlighted it. And then it, isn't it funny? Like, it, it fe- and I don't know, I'd have to go back and watch it, but it feels like as soon as they highlighted that, that's when it all freaking went downhill, man. It was like right yeah. after that it was like, like, Hey, look, here's some good that's happening to the Raiders. And then 
there we go. You know, right on down. <laughs> All right. We're going to take our last break for those of you on audio, for those of you on YouTube. Hold on just for a second. We'll be right back. Uh, and don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and uh, wherever you get it, wherever you get the audio. If you if you watch us on YouTube, thank you. And we appreciate the chats going crazy, but also subscribe to us on the audio side. We would appreciate that. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back. Silver and black today, the post game edition. We are uh, lamenting the Raiders 17 to 16 loss, the 98 yard drive that ended in a touchdown. Baker Mayfield leads the Rams. He gets off the plane at LAX two days ago, doesn't know the playbook and leads his team on a 98-yard drive to win the game. Of course, with me, as always, is Murph uh, from Raiders Fan Radio. He's our voice of the fan tonight, as he always is on our postgame show. And my partner, always here on the podcast, is Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. So uh, the other thing I want to get to, because I know, and Murph, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but the fans that are blaming the referees... I just don't have it tonight. I have some in the chat. I'm like, look, did Max Crosby get held more than he should have? Absolutely. Every game he does. He's the best defensive end in football right now. So guess what they're going to do? I mean, they got the guy on the Rams that was literally choking him by the throat. (laughs) And it got called maybe once out of five times. So I get that. But when you only get two first downs in the second half and you can't score, you're not going to win many football games. No, and, and you know, listen, I've and I've seen the calendar turn enough and been around this Raider team long <laughs> enough to tell you that like look, this is just something that happens to the Raiders. And 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 if you ask OG Raider fan guys like my dad, guys like my uncles that that raised me up in this whole Raider thing and watched the Raiders from their inception in the 60s and all throughout the 70s and when Al Davis ran aground with the NFL. We didn't get calls back then. Like it it, it all started. I mean, you could go back to you know, to calls against the Jets. You can go call, go, go back to Rob Lytle's non-fumble. Of course, the Immaculate Deception. You can go back. There's a, there's literally games, historical games named after calls that have gone against the Raiders. But those guys will also tell you this, that we used to win anyways. Yeah. Like, and that's the important thing is that, like, we got to remember that, like, think it's not just against us. You guys remember when the Saints lost in the NFC Championship a few years back? Like, talk about Rams. Getting- Rude on a freaking call, right? Yeah. Like, yep. so it's not just us that happens to. Has it happened to us more frequently? Yes. Is there a conspiracy against the Raiders? I don't think so. Is there a bias? Maybe back in the day, but I think we've evaporated that at this point. But I will tell you this, Raider Nation, is that when your team is good, those little adversities that pop up along the way, like those calls against Max, because what Scott said is so dead on. He's the one of, if not the best, edge rusher in football. So, yeah, he's going to get held, and especially by a guy that's under-equipped to play against him like some freaking chump-ass freak. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, that's okay. Dude that's playing, you know, tackle that 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 normally wouldn't be. So yeah. he's got to do those things in order to be effective. So I, I will say this: is like I don't disagree with that sentiment, Raider Nation. But we got to get past that. We can't mm-hmm. blame the calls. We can't blame the officials. It ain't Walt Coleman and Gene Steratore out there officiating every <laughs> single game for us. But we got to move past it and realize that there are things that we can do to control the output of the game Absolutely. and the final score on the scoreboard. And the Raiders completely did not do that in the second half of this game. Did those calls cost us a game? No. Would it would have allowed us to be in a more favorable favorable position to win? Sure. Yeah. If we would have got those holding calls and maybe would have ended some of those drives. But that's not why we lost. Mm-hmm. Two first downs in the second half is why we freaking lost the football game. 
Yeah, and not only that, Mo, twenty five percent in the red zone again. Uh, I don't know that this team ever finishes above forty percent in the red zone, uh, which brings up a question. And and Is that again, bad? this. <laughs> and again, Mo, this brings up a question I'm seeing a lot in the chat. Uh, and I'm going to ask it because you've been very vocal that, hey, you say, look, Derek Carr's going to be back next year. Um, but the Raiders, it just it's is it coincidence that over the last 10 years they've been horrible in the red zone? Is it because of bad coaching? For, uh, all six coaches that Derek Carr has had have been poor at red zone coaching. Or is there something there that uh, points to the quarterback and, and his inability to get his team into the end zone? I'll say it this way. Right, it, it's tough in the red zone. I don't want to get up here and say like it's easy to throw right. a, a complete pass in the red zone. If you look at all quarterbacks across the league, uh, their numbers tend to taper off once they get to the red zone. Throwing in the red zone because it's close quarters, there are a lot of bodies and tight and tight spots. So you have to make great decisions once you're inside the twenty. But I will also say this that. A lot of times we look at Derek Carr and he throws a pass and we're like, either what is he thinking? Sometimes it's on the pass catcher. Sometimes the receiver mm-hmm. just has to come up with the ball. I remember Darren Waller early in the season had a drop in the red zone. So that's on him. But in this situation, we're thinking about it today, looking at it today. And, and I want to go back to the play at the end of the first half with Derek Carr's interception. And someone posted a, a photo shot of yeah, Derek Carr was hit in the pocket. I get it. His, his guard got pushed back into him and it caused him to float that pass. But as I said, if you're a quarterback in the pocket and you have a good feel for pressure, and what's been a criticism of Carr throughout his years, sometimes he loses a feel for the pocket. Sometimes he anticipates pressure that isn't there. Sometimes he doesn't feel the pressure that's around him. And I think in that moment, you have to just make a better decision. And again, I'm not blaming the loss on Derek Carr, but when it comes to the Raiders' red zone woes, he has to be part of that equation. You can't completely absolve the quarterback of your team's red zone woes. Yeah, and and you said it's hard to score in the red zone. And Kelly in the chat says it isn't hard to score in the red zone against the Raiders. <laughs> That's true. 32 That's- of 32 on goal to goes over the last several years for the Raiders. That's pretty incredible. Um, can, but, I, can I make a point? Uh, yeah, go ahead, that, please. please. Yep. I, you know what, Mo? I think that's a, an incredible salient point. And and I think that uh, I think what's tough for for us Raider fans is that when we look historically at what the greatest Raider quarterbacks have done with it, you know, and you, you call, obviously Stabler is the is is the, is the poster child for that. Uh, you can put up Gannon up there, obviously Plunkett, not in terms of fourth quarter wins per se, but anyways. But I, but in the red zone. What what is Kenny Stabler famous for? The sea of hands, right? Things like that. It was like these incredibly, like it, you know, high profile improv improv plays that literally become defined in in, in NFL history. Then we look at Derek Carr. I'm going to go back to last year, and I'm just not choosing this to pick on Derek Carr, but I will just say this: mm-hmm. we had four plays inside the ten yard line against the Bengals to win a playoff game, and they were. Two inter, but there was one interception, two incompletions, and a spike pass or a spike, uh, a spike down. So like, and and that interception was th- thrown short of the goal line. I think that's what you're what you're saying, and I think that mm-hmm. is incredibly great point. That like that's not play calling. I don't think anybody's calling Zay Jones to run a route two <laughs> yards shy of the goal line on fourth down, but yet that's what the play was, and the, or that's what the pass was. So I, as much as I can. You know, people accuse me of being a bootlicker and an apologist. And a, and a <laughs> like all that stuff. Like Derek, Derek Carr owns a lot of this. And sure. last year was, it was completely evident that like, you know, he does suffer in the red zone. And we saw it again mm-hmm. tonight. 
Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and again, I think, too, we talk about penalties. The Raiders over the last three weeks during the win streak uh, were keeping penalties to a minimum, especially uh, uh, penalties that, that came at crucial times of the game or in drives. And tonight they they made the opposite. They they made crucial penalties at the wrong time. And for a lot of the people complaining about the Tillery penalty, and listen, I would be a Tillery apologist because he went to Notre Dame. Uh, but other than that, that play, listen, at a big moment in the game, you your offense can't score. They can't score. And you know the Rams get one more shot to get the ball and go 98 yards, right, to win the game. So what do you have to do? You have to keep your head. Like, you can't do stupid crap. And he did. And this goes back to what we saw during their rough start, right, Mo? Which was, we saw during the preseason an incredibly disciplined team, it looked like. we talked. You and I talked a lot about it on the show. And then they got in the regular season, and that all went to pot. And they seemed to get better, and then all of a sudden, uh, tonight it goes away. Is that... Is that <clears throat> Is that a new guy on the team? Yes, but then you had Cleo Furl with the with the bad penalty, and of course Max Crosby with the offside. He cannot be excused for that. I don't care how good he is. At that time, you can't jump and create a first down on a on a drive that that could mean the game for you. I, I just think that last drive between Jerry Tillery's penalty and the Meek Robinson's defensive pass interference. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. at that point, after those two penalties, I was like, oh gosh, here we go. Either either the Rays are going to lose this game, or they're going to make this unreasonably uncomfortable for their fans because you can almost see it. And I think we talked about this with Murph early in the season. You can almost see when the yeah. avalanche is happening. Mm-hmm. You can see when it's starting to roll back for Rays, and you're like, okay, they have to get a stop or something here, or this is just going to completely snowball in the other team's favor. And it happened again tonight. And it's I can't explain it, but it just it just happens to the Raiders. And you can again, you can see it happen. You can sense it when the momentum shifts. The Raiders just cannot get it back. No, they can't get it back. And then I just to me, I don't know what it is. And and you have to look to coach. Yes, the players are responsible. There's no question. They have to yeah. keep their intensity. They have to execute on the field. So so you want to blame coaching for all of it? Okay, no, you can blame coaching for culture. I definitely agree with that. And I don't know what happened between last week and this week, Murph, where suddenly, I don't know, was it because it was a short week and then and, and they got out of the rhythm they were in? I don't know. But that's kind of the coaching staff's job is to keep them focused. They had everybody pretty much. Yes, they had some injuries on defense, uh, which I think did hurt them, especially up front as well. Uh, but but there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse when you know you have no margin for error and you come out seemingly after the first drive, which was scripted flat. That's the part that's so tough to understand. And we saw, you know, Derek in the, in the, in the post game locker room uh, after the, after the big win against the chargers, he said it, you know, look, get your, get your, get your body right, get home. Like, Hey, like, yeah, this was great, but, and I'm paraphrasing, but this was great, but we're all going to feel like crap on Thursday if we don't take care of business. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like that was the focus and and you could hear the collective of the team, like buying into that. So where did that go? Like, and, 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 and I'm, and I'm with you, Mo, in terms of like, when this thing starts sliding downhill, like, I don't understand why the Raiders 
have such a trouble over many years now to snap out of that. I mean, other than mm -hmm. certain occasions in like 2016 or whatever, yeah. it's like, it's like me having a bad night at the crap table at the Mirage. It's like, no, I'm going to get it on this one. No, you're not. Go to bed. You know what I mean? But like, for whatever reason, we just stay in there and just until everything's gone and then it's time to, you know, go home or whatever. But anyways, but point being, I'm with you, man. I don't know how it, it just seems to completely snowball and there's no momentum there. And, and that is uh, to go back to your point, Scott, I don't understand it either. And I don't, and, and listen, I, I have a, I have a freaking degree in leadership. Like, and, and it's still hard for me to comprehend the idea that like the culture of your organization can shift weekly and or not even this point weekly, it's daily. So dramatically that that point, like at, at some point you drop back to your leaders, but when you have multiple leaders, it's like you hold them all accountable. I think you have to, because yeah. there's not one person dependent on it. And I know, you know, and no, not a sh and I can't even read the chat, but like chat room, YouTube <laughs> comments, people on Twitter, whatever. You want to find someone to blame. Like that's what we want as people. We want to go. Well, it's this person's fault. Well, sometimes it's not one person's fault. It's not Mark Davis's fault individually. It's not Josh McDaniels. It's not Derek Carr. It's not whoever else you want to try to pin it on. Sometimes it's a it's a collective, and sometimes in order to change the collective, you need time. Like you can't just shift it all in one all in one moment. So. And I, I, I hate to be the guy that says, like, well, let's be patient because it sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we're forced to do, right? Yeah, not with four weeks left in the season. And speaking of that, Mo, the Raiders have four four games left. Okay, so so they, they have to do – you continue its professional football. It's all about wins. And nothing else really matters at this level except for winning. But this team uh, is not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but in all, in all likelihood uh, that would be just a, a miracle if that happened, if they were able to somehow get in the playoffs, uh, including winning out the next four games. But after this big step back – um, what are your biggest concerns the rest of the way with this team and how they've performed and how the coaching seems to have gone backwards too? I shouldn't say this, but I'm worried about certain players checking out uh, um, because we're talking about their playoff chances. And I know I understand some players are playing for their careers and they're playing for new jobs next year. But sometimes, we, and we'll see what happens uh, coming off this mini buy. how do the Raiders respond after a bad loss knowing that the probability of them making the playoffs are very, very slim. Are they? Are some guys going to start to pack it in and get even more sloppy? Or are they going to lock in and say, look, we're going to control what we can control and just win these games, and whatever happens at the end of the season happens? I want to see how this team responds to that because this is new territory under Josh McDaniels. Now, last year they were 6-7 and seven and they went on a run. This year they're 5-8. and eight. Even if they go on a run, playoffs still slim. So I, I want to see how a lot of those guys, especially guys that may not be there next year, I want to see how those guys respond to this loss. And that I think that'll answer a lot of questions as far as Dave Ziegler is concerned. Who stays and who goes as far as guys on the fringe? How do they yeah. play down the stretch when they know the playoffs may not happen for them? Well, and and Murph, you touched on it, and you and I have talked about it many, many times on the postgame show this year, and that that is the term leadership. And not only, as Mo mentioned, does this organization have to look at the talent on the field and decide who's going to be there, who isn't, 
but you're also going to learn from a leadership standpoint and from a culture standpoint because you th- they are remaking the culture. So you knew there would be bumps in the road, right, guys? You knew that it would take some time. Now, we thought they had kind of gone through those bumps and things were smoothing out a little bit now. And I thought, listen, I wasn't realistically thinking the Raiders, and I've said this before, we're going to win out. I know, I know, Murph, you always go into a week saying, yes, they're going to win out. Uh, but I was mm-hmm. saying, no, okay, but if they don't win out, that's fine. Uh, as long as they continue to improve um, from a culture and a leadership standpoint, though, they're going to have to also look at that. You might have a guy who's got talent, but he's not fitting in with the program. And that might make some difficult decisions for them as well. Absolutely. That's that's an interesting uh, question. There are interesting comments, Scott. And and uh, I have a couple co-hosts here in the fan cave, my best friend Swag Jeff and, and, and our best friend uh, Michelle. And Michelle made a great point about this Raiders team and what they're going through this season and versus what it was last season. Because we have a lot of uh, discussion around the culture of what the Raiders were last year. And then like this coaching staff and this new regime has said like, oh, we're here to change the culture. And we were like, well, wait, it wasn't bad before. Like we saw this team rally together. We saw them be resilient we saw all that that wonderful cohesion happen at the end of last year like it wasn't broken so what is this idea that you're coming in to change it and michelle made the point that like that cohesion happened because of external factors. There were Mm -hmm. things that happened outside the locker room, outside really the organization that brought them together. And so that's not sustainable. You have to have internal cohesion. That's where he has to be motivated has to come from yeah. self. Right. And so that's what I think that, that, that we're going to be looking for in terms of the folks that are going to make decisions around the roster and whatnot uh, around this team going forward is that who then continues to then rise up or, or sustain throughout this most challenging time, because this, listen, this, like you said, it's, it's ain't going to happen. I mean, we could win out and it still ain't going to happen. Uh, but so who, who do we see, you know, who do we see rise up uh, and, 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 and show their leadership and show their ability to, 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 you know, to, to, to bring others along with them, to share their vision, to all those, those things that we know, uh, you know, build a great culture in an organization, who are the players that are going to do that? And frankly, who are some of the coaches? Because yeah. I don't even know if we're set entirely on this coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, there's not going to be any major, major moves, but, you know, there could be some lower level position coaches move. And so those are the things that are going to be under the highest of scrutiny now with four games left. And, you know, again, yeah, we're not making the dang playoffs, but mm-hmm. I don't, it, it, <laughs> I'm going to shut up. Wouldn't this be now? Here we go. Here's the most Raider thing ever, right? You lose a freaking dumper to the freaking Rams at a home game in SoFi yeah. Stadium, and then now watch us run off the next three, and then freaking take the Chiefs to the wire, beat them, end up freaking nine and eight on the season, and we're all going, yeah, baby. All we need is zip. Here we go, and then we're back in the same boat again. My gosh, Murph. Thank God there's still people in the world with your enthusiasm and your optimism. Yeah. Because we, we need some more of that. And, and I know the fans in the chat are all probably calling you nuts right now, but that's okay. We need that. We need that. So we appreciate it. By the way, make sure you follow Murph. You can see it on the screen there if you're watching us at underscore Murph. Also, Raiders Fan Radio on YouTube. They also have a podcast, so you can do that on the audio side as well. Uh, they are on live on Wednesday nights, right? Still Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 Eastern is when we always go live, yeah. Yes, so so go make sure you check it out with Michelle and Swag Jeff as well. Great, great show. Murph, as always, man, we appreciate you being here. All right, thank you, Absolutely. gentlemen. Appreciate you having me, and I'll see you next week. We go post-game, so from the game we got flexed out of on Sunday night, but I'll, I'll see you live <laughs> from Allegiant Stadium once again as we take on the Patriots and hopefully win.
That's right. You're going to be out there for Crab Fest. By the way, uh, the One Nation Foundation, which Murph donates all the revenue he gets from the show, donates it back uh, to the Blitnikoff Foundation. Ten grand, right? That's what you're doing on December 16th? Yeah, we're going to present a check to the Blitnikoffs for ten grand on behalf of our listeners and all the wonderful folks that have donated to Raiders Fan Radio. And not, not Raiders Fan Radio, but the One Nation Foundation. Uh, Raiders Fan Radio is the vessel. And so anything we generate with Raiders Fan Radio, we give it to our nonprofit. And, uh, yeah, and that's what uh, we're going to issue that check to the One Nation yes. Foundation. And thank you, guys. Appreciate you both very, very much. And you, Scott, for giving us this platform because it's been an incredible boost to our success this year. And so can't thank you enough and look forward to seeing you. are going to be in Vegas uh, for the – for the game against the Patriots, holler at us, man. We'll be It'll there. be good. It'll be fun. All right, Mo, before we check out of here for the night, uh, just your final thoughts on where this team is. I mean, obviously the fans upset. I, I, I'm, there's nothing I'm going to, I'm not going to tell Raider nation. I'm not going to bring up positives tonight because it was such a rough night and especially the way it ended. But uh, in closing your thoughts for Raider nation, as we head into this mini bye week I just want to give a shout out to Murph because he went into the penalties and not being a victim as a Raider fan. Yeah. And he went into the Derek Carr red zone. What was he took those bullets from me because I was going to touch on it, but he's, he's the voice of the fans. So they, they'll, they won't go at Murph. Like they'll go at me. They'll curse me out on Twitter <laughs> for those comments. They won't curse Murph out. So shout out to Murph for taking those bullets for me, but just going into the buy, I would just say, one game at a time. I know Raiders, a lot of Raiders fans were coming into this game. They were saying, we're just taking it one game at a time off this win streak. I, I think you have to have the same mentality going forward because now n- not only is it an evaluation period as Murph just brought up, as I just brought up about who's going to stay and who's going to go, mm-hmm. but you're looking at this team and saying, okay, what are the pieces we're going to keep as we build this thing? Because I know fans don't want to hear this, but every week you're building a football team you're trying to build a super bowl contender and it doesn't stop even after the playoffs are are kind of realistically out of reach it continues and actually it's a lot tougher because now you're you're separating the contenders from the pretenders like you know okay we can take this guy along with us in 2023 to build ourselves a playoff contender we can't take this guy along with us look he his players dropped off he doesn't have the enthusiasm he doesn't have the passion he's lost it we can't keep him so this stretch, even though nine and eight is the best record the Raiders can get, is still very important. So keep it locked in with the Raiders. It is absolutely, and it's still your team, Raider Nation. So you got to follow them, even if you want to just curse them for the rest of the curse way. Them tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, then that's all good. All right, Mo. We will next speak with you on Tuesday. Yes, we got a little bit of a longer weekend. I know you're working over the weekend, uh, but with the show tonight. We've had a show uh, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and now Thursday. And so we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll kind of recap what happened over that mini bye weekend. We'll find out more about the Josh Jacobs injury. Is it going to be long-term? We'll also find out this week, Mo, if Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are coming back uh, for next week's game. Absolutely. And I also say, Raider fans, I understand you're upset tonight, but just kind of (laughs) woosah over the next few days. I also yep. want to say rest in peace to my Raiders could mathematically win out and be 10 and 7 tweet. I tweeted that after every Raiders it's win over. on their three-game streak, and I officially have to retire it. It's no longer mathematically possible, so I have to move off my 10 and 7 offseason prediction for the Raiders. Now the, the goal is to now finish with a winning record. We'll see what happens. Winning record. We'll see how it all goes down. All right, my friend, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Absolutely. 
All right. For Momo and for Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, we appreciate you being with us. I am Scott Colbranson. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter as well at Mo Moten at M O E M O T O N. I am at LV Gully for all the new subscribers out there. Thanks for joining us. Saw a bunch of them on YouTube tonight. Got a couple notes as well uh, for those of you subscribing tonight to the the audio podcast. If you're listening to us on Friday, have a great weekend. We'll be back with you next week. And also make sure you take care of one another out there. I know you're angry, but hang in there. Raiders 17, 16 losers to the Rams. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, Raider Nation.